ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, the NBA draft special. No Jordan Lorenz today. I am Drew Skyberg, and I am joined by a man who is an NBA draft connoisseur, a certified custodian and Blue Rider driver, and the owner of a YouTube channel currently sitting at 444 subscribers. Ladies and gentlemen, Clay Taylor, a.k.a. the Bucks Believer. Clay, how you doing today? Doing pretty good, Drew. Thanks for all the kind words. I don't know if I'd call myself a connoisseur, but I've definitely spent an ungodly amount of time studying on the draft over the past couple of days to get myself ready for this. So let's get into it. I'm excited. How are you? Awesome. I'm doing great. I mean, we just recorded episode 20 with Jordan Lorenz, so that was a great Talked a lot about the Bucks regular season, so that was fun to record. But we got the draft coming up. So this is going to be airing Wednesday, July 28th, just for the schedule for all you listeners. And then July 30th, we will be having the Summer Sports Spectacular Episode 9, the 1992 Sugar Bowl. So that's going to be an interesting one. And so the draft, the 2021 NBA draft, that's scheduled for tomorrow, Thursday, July 29th. The draft will begin at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN platforms at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. And Clay, I don't know if you knew this, it is the first time the draft is being televised on both ABC and ESPN. So that's big things for the draft. I did not know that. No. Wow. Pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. The draft's really growing in popularity. So that's kind of why I called you a connoisseur because, I mean, mean, you spent a lot of time. You're an expert for sure. And... Free agency also will also begin on Monday, August 2nd at 6 p.m. Eastern. So we got some big things coming up. The offseason is certainly going to be heating up in the NBA. You're going to be releasing more videos. We know we already saw your guards video come out on July 24th, Saturday. So I'm sure we'll see the forwards maybe in the – we'll see some backcourt players. Maybe? Or... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the plan. Get the, the wings out tomorrow and then the – Bigs on Monday. So plenty of draft content over on the Bucks Believer that you should go check out. <laughs> Beautiful. And we're, we're going to get started right away, Clay. We got some top guys we want to talk about to go in the draft. We're going to talk about the first 10 teams. So we're going to be starting with the Pistons and then you have the Pelicans. So round one, pick one. It's got to be Cade Cunningham, right, for the Pistons? Yeah, Cade Cunningham's the obvious pick here for Detroit. He's a wing shot creator who can shoot the ball at a really high level is upwards of 40% from three this past year, average 20 points per game. He really has a high ceiling. I could see him becoming a top 10 player in the league, something like a Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic combination with some of the uh, passing and playmaking that Luka has along with the jump shooting that Tatum has. But even if he doesn't hit that ceiling, I think that there's a very clear path to him becoming a Chris Middleton type top 30 player in the NBA who can just create shots at a very high level because of his jump shooting. For the Pistons, he'd be a great fit because he could slot in right in the backcourt along with Killian Hayes and provide them with another switchable defender that would just fit really nicely with what that team is looking to do moving forward. So, yeah, I think he's a pretty clear pick for them at number one. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think, it, like you mentioned with Chris Middleton, I think it's a great comparison. I mean, he's 6'8", 220. I think that compares fairly well to Middleton. And you mentioned he shot 40% from three, 20 points a game, 6.2 boards, 3.5 assists. I mean, I, I had Oklahoma State winning it all, actually, in March Madness because I was that high on this guy. I mean, unfortunately, they didn't. But, Clay, I mean, didn't you finish second in that or did you win? I finished second, yeah. If Gonzaga would have beat Baylor in the championship, it would have been my 
my money to with the winning prize pool, but Baylor ended up taking that win, so I got second. But we'll we'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah, I I finished probably um like near the seller, so I don't want to talk about <laughs> it. But uh, let's move to round one, pick two. We got the Houston Rockets, and th- this one could be a toss up, but I know I was thinking Jalen Green here. I, I don't know what you think. Yeah, this is definitely where it starts to get a bit more interesting. The Rockets can kind of choose from the next tier of guys with Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, and Evan Mobley all on the board. Green profiles as a Zach Levine, Bradley Beal type of high-level scoring shooting guard who's probably going to make an all-star team or two and average close to 25 points per game at some point in his career. Jalen Suggs is a perimeter creator in the same vein, but he's not quite as good at creating separations. So I don't see him being as good of a scorer. He is a more gifted passer and defender though. So I think that a likely outcome for him could be something like a top 10 starting point guard in the NBA, something similar to the level of play of Fred Van Vliet and Malcolm Brogdon. He's not the same type of player as those guys, but I could see him getting to that level. And then with Evan Mobley, he's got a bit more bust potential because he's a big man. And obviously they aren't as valuable as perimeter players in today's NBA. But if everything does click for Mobley, he has a whole lot of upside as a perimeter ball handling big who can create shots for his teammates. He's also the best defender out of the group as a weak side rim protector who can switch basically three through five at this point. I think that if I were the Rockets, I'm with you. I'd probably take Jalen Green because I think he has the the highest upside as a perimeter shot creator. But really, with I, any of those three players, Houston couldn't go wrong. Why do you think Jalen Green, Drew? Yeah, so I think Jalen Green, I mean, he, he. I just want to point out one thing quickly. He, he took a route that really we haven't seen. He went to the G League right away. So, right, he was playing some G League games, and I think that was, like, not taking the college route, really just that kind of opened some eyes. And uh, I'm going Jalen Green here. I think that like they really could use a guard here. And you, I, you mentioned you, you mentioned a great point. I think with a center, I mean, it's just how it is. A center usually has more bust potential. And I think, I mean, I'm really high on Evan Mobley too, but I think certainly there's more bust potential. And I, I think Jalen Jalen Green will bring that elite scoring and right and like athleticism right away to the to the table for the Rockets. So totally. yeah. And then round one, pick three of which has the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I think I, I, I like also how you mentioned the next tiers. Cause I, I feel like that's a great way to, to sum up this draft. I think you have Cade Cunningham as like that, that really high guy, like that S tier kind of guy. And then I think you got like, like, like guys right below that, like in green Mobley and Suggs. And I think they're all like a little, they might be a touch below, but like they're all very promising guys indeed. And I think, you could see the Cavs, they could go Mobley or Suggs here. So I, I'd probably say Mobley, but what do you think? So the Cavaliers are in an interesting position. They've been one of the worst teams in the league the past couple of years, and they're looking to take a step forward. There's a rumor out there right now that they could trade Colin Sexton's for some veteran help. And I think that that is an interesting idea because it would open up a spot in their backcourt for Jalen Suggs to come in and start right away. Personally, even if they don't trade Sexton, I would take Suggs because I value the perimeter creation over the inside play of Mobley. But even if they do take Mobley, they're going to be bringing in another player to add to their front court along with Jared Allen, who they traded for as part of the James Harding trade earlier this year, as well as Isaac Okoro, who was the fifth pick in last year's draft. Either way, I think that it's a solid choice, but I would lean towards Suggs just because of the value of a perimeter shot creator in today's NBA. 
I think that's fair totally too. I think Suggs, I mean, he was a big he he made some big shots for Gonzaga we saw last year and he he came up big in a tournament and I think that's certainly a, a possibility and then with the Raptors with the fourth pick, do you think you'd we'd see them take Mobley or would they take a guy like Scotty Barnes or Kaminga? I think that the Raptors are most likely going to take whichever one of Green, Suggs, or Mobley is still on the board. There's a chance that they could reach a little bit and take Scotty Barnes, who's a wing player out of Florida State. I've liked him quite a bit all year because he plays with an infectious amount of optimism and excitement. He's always fired up and dapping up his teammates and stuff after every play. Kind of think about the way Thanasis Antetokounmpo is on the bench for the Bucks. He provides that all the time, and it's fun to watch someone play with that much energy. He is lacking a jump shot at this point, so I'm not sure that I'd be willing to spend a top four pick on him. But if that jump shot does come around, his ceiling is pretty high because he's a shot-creating wing. But if I were the Raptors, I'd probably play it safe and take whichever one of Suggs, Green, or Mobley is remaining with the fourth pick. Yeah, and I think that's totally uh, the that probably the best way to do it because, like we mentioned that t- I mentioned that tier way, like they're like those three are like the tier below, and I think then you get into guys like Jonathan Kaminga, you get the Scotty Barnes, Davian Mitchell, those kind of guys. So that would that leads us now to the fifth pick with the Orlando Magic. So um, I think Scotty Barnes or Jonathan Kaminga, that I think those two are those two guys would be most likely the option for the Orlando Magic. Yeah, they're definitely the most likely options. They're two big wing shot creators, which are as valuable of commodities as they come in today's NBA. Uh, Kaminga has a little more upside as a scorer, while Barnes is a better defensive player and passer and is probably a better player right now. But I think that either one would make sense for Orlando. Another player I would really be keeping my eye on if I were the Magic is James Booknight out of UConn. Booknight was one of the best players in the entire NCAA last year as a scorer, averaging around 17 points per game, if I'm not mistaken. He's not a great shooter yet, but his form looks pretty good. And there were rumors of him flashing a really solid jump shot during his pro day earlier this offseason. So if the shot comes around for Booknight, I could see him becoming a really high level scorer on the perimeter and someone I'd definitely look at at five if I were Orlando. Like you said, though, Barnes and Kaminga are definitely the most likely options for the Magic. Who do you think you'd take here if you were the if you were Orlando? Well, I, I you hyped up Scotty Barnes a lot. I've heard during work. So, I mean, I have to take some take some deep dive into Scotty Barnes and boy, I mean, you're right. You're really right, Clay. I think he's, he brings a lot to the table. Like he's a combo forward, like you mentioned, and he just, I don't know. He's a lot of promise and he just, he plays with like, I, I like the Thanasis kind of like comparison with the playing, like how, how he plays like, so his heart out. And I think that's something definitely maybe the magic or the thunder at the six pick would definitely need. And uh, just another thing about book night. I mean, I watched him play in the big East. I watched him play at UConn and boy, oh boy, that guy could score. So uh, I think like you mentioned, I mean, the three point percentage was 29.3 this past year. So I think that's certainly going to need some work, but Hey, I mean, if the forum's been looking good, if it looked good at the pro day, we could maybe see this guy sneak up to this five, six, seven range, but the next, now we're going to go round one, pick six, the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think it's going to be kind of the, I mean, we already kind of touched on that. I think Kaminga and Barnes are going to be the two guys, maybe flip-flop them there. But do you see any other guy falling with the Thunder? 
Uh, other than Kaminga Barnes book night, Alperin Shangun, who is a big man from Serbia, I believe, is another option they could go with. Wh whoever the Thunder end up taking, it's probably going to be the highest upside player as they are clearly in a rebuilding state and they should just take whoever they think has the most star potential moving forward. To me, that would probably be Barnes, but the Thunder are definitely going to do their research and just take whoever they think has the most upside at this point in the draft. I'm really glad you mentioned Shengun. He's 6'10", 240, and I, it says here he's from Turkey. He, he could be from. Oh, Turkey, Serbia. my bad. Yeah, that's but, it. You're right. I, okay. And, Jokic um, is from Serbia. That's what I was thinking of. Gotcha. And, yeah, I mean, he he's really got a nice face-up game, and I think he certainly could be a guy we could see sneak up. Like, I'm looking at mock draft right now, Jordan. They, or not Jordan, you're Clay. <laughs> Clay, I'm looking at mock draft, and I'm seeing – I see that 14th right here, so – He's like in other mock drafts I've seen, I've seen him like 14th through 18th. So, I mean, it's certainly possible there, but I, you heard it first here from the Bucks believer. We could see him climb up to there. Maybe he's but, got a wide draft range. I'll tell you that he could go anywhere from like sixth all the way down to maybe 18th. So wide draft range there for Shangun. And I feel like that's how, like with those international guys, isn't it kind of always like that where you see them kind of really high and some of them, sometimes they're like not even in a lottery. Yeah, Kristaps Porzingis, who was the number four pick by the Knicks a couple of years ago. I think that most people had him around the late lottery range. And like I said, he ended up going fourth. So the international guys, there's always a level of uh, secrecy. You're not really sure where they're, they're going to end up going. Same thing with Giannis, even when the Bucks drafted him 15th overall. The Atlanta Hawks had actually promised they were going to take him 16th. But the Bucks had kept it a secret that they were planning on taking the Greek freak and Obviously, they're lucky to have him. So with these foreign guys, there's definitely a level of uncertainty about where they're going to go. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And now round one, pick seven by the Golden State Warriors. So I think we could see a James Booknight here, maybe David Mitchell out of Baylor. What do you think here? So those two guys are both uh, high-level options for the Warriors. Book Knight as a scoring guard for them off the bench, and Mitchell as a more defense-focused, knockdown shooter type off the bench. With Mitchell, I'm a little lower on him because I question his jump shot. He shot 44% this past year from three, which is ridiculously high, but the year before that, he shot just 32%. So there's some question about how legit that improvement was. If it was, you know, how good a shooter he actually is, he's a high-level star starter probably if he's closer to that 32 percent range he's probably more of a bench player but other than Mitchell and Book Knight someone to keep your eye on here is another foreign player Australia's Josh Giddy. Giddy is a six foot eight point guard so he uh, draws some comparisons to Lomelo Ball especially when you consider that they both played in Australia prior to coming into the draft but Giddy is a great passer he's a great rebounder and he definitely needs to improve his shooting and defense. But if that all comes around, he's that big wing shot creator that, as we've already talked about, to a large extent, is a very valuable player in the NBA. So some guys to keep your eye on there would be Book Knight, Giddy, and um, Mitchell, of course. Glad you mentioned Giddy. Clay, you're going to hear about his name, just a hint, in the Worryometer. So glad you mentioned <laughs> him. And now um, pick number... Are we? Did I say pick eight or are we on pick nine now? We're on pick eight. We're on pick eight. We are on so pick Orlando. Eight. Yeah, Orlando, Orlando has another pick. So this one's from the Chicago Bulls. So here, I guess it's kind of. I, I think it's kind of that same mix of guys you've been mentioning. It's like the book night, maybe Davian Mitchell, maybe Giddy. I mean, is there any other guys we're missing here? 
One guy I'd throw his name in the hat a little bit would be Moses Moody from Arkansas. He had a really solid year for the Razorbacks this past season, averaging 17-ish points per game as their leading scorer. He's a great three-point shooter. He was only around 35% in Arkansas this past year, but a lot of that was because he's taking a ton of difficult off-the-bounce, off-of-movement threes. So once he comes into the NBA and is taking more catch-and-shoot looks, I think we could see his three-point percentage skyrocket. And the Magic are a rebuilding team. They have a lot of good young pieces, but they don't really have anyone who can knock down shots and surround those young pieces with good floor spacing. So I think Moody would be a really nice pick for them. Uh, otherwise, I definitely would like Book Knight here if he was still on the board. And Giddy and Mitchell and Shangoon are interesting options as well. Awesome. And yeah, there's certainly now we're at this other next kind of tier of guys, I think, with like, Moody, Keon Johnson, uh, Giddy, and like, and then also, yeah, Shangun as well. So um, now back to pit now, pick nine. So this is going to be by the Sacramento Kings. I'm looking at a mock draft right now on a couple of them, and I see Keon Johnson as one, a guy out of Tennessee, shooting guard. So I don't know what you think about Keon Johnson, but uh, I, I guess like Giddy, Moody, and um, Shangun could also fall here too. So I'll tell you this about Keon Johnson. If we were doing the worry-o-meter about this guy, he'd be like a 9 or a 10. I'm extremely worried about this guy coming into the NBA because he just doesn't have an offensive skill that he can really bank on. He's about a 27% shooter from beyond the arc, which is not not where you want to be considering league average is 36%. He's got a lot of work to do on his jump shot. His handle isn't terrific. He's not a great passer. He's a really good defensive player who plays with a ton of energy and wants to win very badly, similar to Scotty Barnes in that way. But unless he has offensive skills, I don't think he's a great choice here for Sacramento. This was a team that was actually the worst defensive team of all time this past season. I'm not sure if you knew that, Drew. So they do need to address defense. So in that way, Johnson would make sense. But if they're wanting to bring in a good defensive player, I'd be looking more at Franz Wagner from Michigan, who will likely still be available at this point in the draft. Wagner is a high-level help defender who can contest shots from the weak side. He reminds me a little bit of Robert Covington in that way. The question with Wagner is his jumper. If the jump shot comes along and he can shoot it in the 37 to 39% range instead of the 33 to 35% range that he was at in college, Wagner's got a chance to be a high leverage starter who can really help teams win games. If it's in that lower range, he's probably more of a bench player. But for Sacramento, considering the improvements they need to make on the defensive end of the court, I think Wagner would be a really nice home run swing for them and would be a nice compliment to De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton in in their backcourt. Yeah, I, I didn't know they were the worst defensive team ever, and that, that surprises me. And I think the argument for Keon Johnson then is, I mean, I watched him play in the tournament. You also brought it up. He's such a he's such a great defender. He really, I, he's really able to just play well, like off the ball and on the ball. I think with perimeter defense, and yeah, but I think Franz Wagner. I think you could bring up a great point with that as well. And then like also maybe guys like. Giddy and like Moody, maybe if those guys are still available, I think you certainly consider taking them as well. But um, we got the last pick we're going to talk about, uh, round one, pick 10. We're going to talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. So I, I think there's a, another, I think Franz Wagner falls into a possibility here. I think Moody and the other guys we mentioned fall into a possibility here. Clay, I don't know. What are you thinking? So the the Pelicans obviously have a generational talent right now in Zion Williamson. 
he's a top 20 player in the NBA already, and he's only played two years. So they obviously need to surround him with some talent, especially with the rumors that he might not be super happy with his situation there in New Orleans. So I think the big key for them is surrounding Zion with both shooting and defense, particularly defense, because they were one of the five worst defenses in the league last year, if I'm not mistaken. For that reason, Wagner is someone who would be very interesting to me once again with the Pelicans. Otherwise, Davion Mitchell is another really nice fit for the Pels. They have a bunch of point guards in Lonzo Ball, Kira Kira Lewis, uh, uh, Eric Bledsoe. But if they are interested in adding another small guard, I think Mitchell could be perfect as a three-point spacer and great uh, point of attack defender. So with the Pelicans, you're looking at shooting, you're looking at defense, and you really just want to put those two aspects of the game around Zion at the highest level that you possibly can. Yeah, I think that certainly makes sense here. And uh, another side question here, Clay, do you think there is a chance we see any of these top 10 picks get traded? Do you think, what do you think about that? Yeah. If I had to bet, one way or the other, I'd say one of the top 10 picks probably gets traded. The one to keep your eye on for sure would be number seven with Golden State. The Warriors obviously are in a win now window with Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Clay Thompson. So they want to maximize the next couple of years while they've still got those guys in their primes. I think they could certainly look to trade for a role player. I don't know who that could potentially be. There were some Pascal Siakam rumors earlier this offseason, but we'll see what happens there. But if I had to pick one of the top 10 picks that'll get traded, I'd definitely go with number seven. I think that totally makes sense. I think I think this draft, I think the top 10, like and if you have a top 10 pick in this draft, I think this draft's actually, it's a pretty good class, I think. So uh, I'm, I think that would certainly have a lot of value to it. So we're going to, we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to play we're going to use the Wario meter here and the rules for this game is I'm going to read some players and we're going to have clay rank them on how worried he is about the prospects future and how they're going to, how their skill set is going to transfer into the NBA. So it's up from a scale of one to not worried at all to 10, very worried about this prospect. So we're going to start right away with a very questionable one, Jalen Johnson out of Duke. How worried are we about him? I would put Jalen Johnson's Wario meter at an, at eight or a nine, probably the, the thing with Jalen is that he does have a bunch of really important skills. He's a good passer and he has size as a big wing shot creator. We've harped on this time and time again already. That's the most important player archetype in today's NBA. However, Johnson's athleticism at Duke was very underwhelming, especially when you consider that coach Mike Krzyzewski was playing Johnson at the center a lot of the time. He wasn't really able to take those big guys off the bounce, which is pretty disappointing when you consider that Johnson should be a wing and he was playing the big man position and he didn't have the first step necessary to get to the basket. He also doesn't really show a whole lot of upside on defense because of that lack of athleticism. He does have solid block and steal numbers, which is intriguing. But overall, I've got a lot of concerns about Johnson. If it all does click, he could become a Ben Simmons type shot creator on offense with a little bit less defensive impact than Simmons has. But I'm pretty concerned about Johnson and I'm not sure I'd be willing to use a first round pick at him on him at this current juncture. Yeah, I've seen him at 15th, and I, I've seen Johnson. We, we saw him play at Nicolet High School in Wisconsin, so we, 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 I've seen him in high school, and just some of his, like, offensively, some of his shoot, like, his shooting scares me a little bit. Um, 
But I think you mentioned, and I think you bring up a great point with the athleticism. If he's playing center, he's got to be able to take those those big guys off the bounce. And, yeah, so eight or nine from Clay. And the next guy, Scotty Barnes out of Florida State. So you picked two players that are kind of similar in that they're big wing players who mm-hmm. have diverse skill sets, but both of them struggle to shoot. With Barnes, I'm maybe even a little more concerned about his jump shot than I am with Johnson. However, he has a lot more of the other stuff to his game that you need. He's on the same level, if not a better passer than Johnson. He's a much better defensive player. He's a much better teammate when you consider how much energy he plays with. And then the fact that Johnson left Duke halfway through the season is a little concerning. Uh, Barnes also is uh, definitely a better defensive player. I might have said that already if I did oops, but... Overall, I'm much less worried about Barnes than I'm about Johnson. If the shot doesn't work, he might not be a starter in the NBA, but I definitely feel much better about taking him with a top 10 pick than I do with Jalen Johnson. So I'll put Scotty Barnes' worry-o-meter at like a three or a four. All right, we'll take that. And now we got a guy we have not mentioned yet, Corey Kispert from Gonzaga. How worried are we about him? So Corey Kispert was someone that I was a huge fan of all season long. I saw him as one of the five or so best players in all of college basketball. And I think he did make first team All-American. So he was one of the five best players in college basketball. But the thing with Kispert is that he is not a terrific athlete. He actually surprised, surprised some people at the combine and had some good tests of athleticism but that hasn't really carried over in game yet. And there's a chance that he won't defend at a high level because of his lack of athleticism and won't be able to create shots for himself. But I kind of buy Corey Kispert. And like I said, I've always been a huge fan of him. I think he should be in play for teams to take as early as 10 with the Pelicans. And I'm not super worried about him. I think that he's got a decent ceiling as a Joe Harris type of off movement shooter and even if he doesn't reach that level he's got a solid floor as like a Doug McDermott type backup wing so with Corey Kispert's worry-o-meter I'd say I wouldn't be willing to take him as high as I would Barnes so he won't be as low as Barnes but he's definitely not as troublesome as Jalen Johnson so I'll put Kispert at like a five all right we'll we'll take that and I think yeah you brought up a good point with Kispert I think we well with seeing him in the tournament, I mean, he kind of had not so great tournament shooting wise, but I, I think he certainly has a shot that I think that 10 to 15 range is good. I've, I've, I've seen him as high as 10 with the Pelicans. I've seen him in mid first round. So anywhere I think is a great range for him. And the next guy we got is Chris Duarte out of Oregon. How, how high are we on him? I also really like Chris Duarte. He's kind of similar to Kispert in that he's a really high level shooter but he also is a little bit older than Corey. I think he's 24, which makes him the oldest player who's being considered to be taken in the first round. However, he does have some more skills aside from just the shooting that make him really intriguing. He functions well as a secondary shot creator and ball handler, who's also a pretty good passer, and he's got more defensive ability than Kispert does right now. So with Duarte, I'd probably put him at like a four on the Wario meter and once again, I'd start thinking about him around the 10th pick with New Orleans if I were a GM in the NBA. I think he's in play anywhere from the 10th pick to about the 17th pick with the Grizzlies. I might yeah. be a little higher on him than the general consensus, but I think Duarte's got a chance to be an impact player right away. Yeah, a lot of these guys I chose, I mean, are supposed to be mid-first round players, so that's 
kind of what I chose. And right now I got we have Jalen Johnson at eight or nine, Scotty Barnes at a three, Kispert at a five, Duarte at a four, and the last guy is Usman Garuba out of Spain. So Usman Garuba. He's he's an intriguing player because he's got a very strong case as the best player, defensive player in the entire draft at this point. He plays the four of the five, and he can defend almost every position, probably can guard three through five at this point, does a great job of moving his feet. He actually plays for the Spain Olympic team right now, and they played a game against the United States, and he was switching out and guarding Damian Lillard on the perimeter. So I was very impressed with his game there. I would say that the offense is a little bit worrisome because he hasn't showed a whole lot of ability to do a whole lot other than shoot three-pointers in the corner. But if you want to make a P.J. Tucker comparison because of the corner three-point shooting and elite defense, I could see it. And I think he's got a shot to become a decent rotation player. So I'd put my worry-o-meter for him at a six because of the offensive questions. But I'd be willing to bank on his defense at a pretty high level. Yeah, and I'm looking at some mock drafts. I mean, a lot some most of these mock drafts have him going going to the Knicks with Tom Thibodeau. So that's 21st. So I, I don't know if that's kind of low or kind of high, but what do you think? I think that'd be a pretty good fit for him because of how what a high level Thibodeau values defense at. Tibbs would definitely be putting Garuba out on the court quite a bit, playing the center position alongside Julius Randle in the front court. I actually would start considering him a little bit higher than that, maybe all the way as high as the 13th pick with the Indiana Pacers. Indiana needs to improve their defense. They're already pretty much set at the center position with Demonis Sabonis and Miles Turner, but I think Garuba's got a chance to be like an all-NBA defense player. So that's a valuable guy and someone I'd take either in the late lottery or at least the middle of the first round. All right, so that's the first guys, first five or the five guys in the Wario meter. So thank you, Clay, for helping me out with that. And now we got one more thing we got to talk about. We got to talk about what the Bucks are gonna do with their pick. So they got the round or round two, the first round or the first pick in round two, so the thirty-first overall pick. And what their needs really are is what I'm what I'm thinking here. And I, I don't know if you agree with me. I think what, what they need. Some guys on the bench, they need some bench options. So, because like Portis, there's a good chance we see him gone and very good chance. And I think we need a, a guy to add to the bench mob. So, I th- I'm thinking some scoring, maybe a guard, or what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that the Bucks should probably just try to take the best player available, but they should definitely focus on shooting because they have Giannis Antetokounmpo locked up long-term. He's on a five-year deal right now, and he's not going anywhere. So as the centerpiece of your team, you want to have shooters around Giannis. So if you can find a really good quality player who can also shoot, that's the type of guy you want at 31. For me, my favorite potential pick for the Bucks right now is Io Desumu from Illinois. I think he also made first team All-America and was one of the best players in college basketball last season, but he profiles as a very good fit for the Bucks to me because he's a high-level on-ball defender. He does a great job of navigating screens and is also quite switchable. He can guard one through three. So those are two skills that are very valuable with the Bucks because they run two defensive schemes. The first of those is the drop coverage where you need guards that fight over screens. Dasumu can do that at a high level. And then the Bucks also run their switching scheme where they're switching every 
on-ball screening actions. So if they're doing that, then Dosumu is someone you can be comfortable with switching one through three because he's a big guard. He's six foot five with a six foot ten wingspan. So he'd be someone I'd love for the Bucks. Outside of him, there's a few other scoring guards that I'd like to see. Bones Highland is very intriguing to me. I know that you're a big Cam Thomas fan, but those are a few guys that I'd like. But for me, I'm crossing my fingers that Dasumu is available at 31 for Milwaukee because I think he's a great fit and a great player overall. Yeah, I think Dosumu, I think I, I hope he's available there. I think guys like him and Thomas, who I, who I mentioned before, I think there's a chance those guys go at the end of the first round, though. And um, But, yeah, I, I think a, a guard, a lanky guard off the bench would certainly would certainly help, like a 6'4", 6'5". That's kind of what Cameron Thomas is 6'4", 210. You mentioned Dosumu is 6'5", 220, I believe. So I think that's – those are certainly guys – or 6'5", 200, my bad. But those are certainly guys we, the Bucks should be looking at. I've also um, – I, I saw you had a, a little bit on Trey Mann, right? Yeah, I did talk about Trey Mann a little bit. I'm not the biggest fan of his because I really question his passing ability as well as his defense, but he's probably the single best pull-up jump shooter in, in today this year's class. I, th- I have the numbers around here somewhere, but I think he shot something around uh, 41 for 78 on pull-up three-pointers last year. Yeah, 41 for 78, which is just ridiculous. He's such a high-level pull-up jump shooter. So if he falls to the Bucks at 31 and some of the guys we like a little bit more, like Dasumu and Thomas aren't available, he would also be a great pick, someone who could potentially be a bench scorer for them down the line, which, as you said, is a solid need for the Bucks. Yeah, and like with Cam Thomas, the comparisons I've seen with him, I've seen Jamal Crawford, I've seen Lou Williams, I've seen guys like that. I don't know if that's a fair comparison, but – based on seeing like the scoring, like how he's kind of a volume scorer. I think that's kind of a fair comparison. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Cam Thomas a fair amount. He's maybe the most gifted scorer in this year's draft class. He averaged, I think 24 points per game as a freshman. And there was a game this year where he only played three minutes because he turned his ankle. So if not for that game, he probably would have averaged even more points per game. He's just a high level scorer with high level feel. Unfortunately, I've seen him as high as ninth on some draft boards. So I think it's unlikely he falls to the Bucks. But if he does, hey, could be a big steal. One more guy I want to throw out there is an uh, international player. We've been talking about them all podcast long. But one guy I've got my eye on is Rokas Jokubaitis, who played in the Lithuanian League this past year. He is a high-level pick-and-roll point guard who's a really solid passer and can knock down catch-and-shoot jumpers. Sounds like someone who would pair very nicely with Giannis Antetokounmpo. So another player that I've definitely got my eyes on. It was Rokas Jokubaitis. What was it? Jokubaitis. Jokubaitis. I think, I think I'm saying it right. Okay. Right. I, I hope, yeah. we're, hope we're saying it right because, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a common theme. I think there's, there's like you could say six or seven um, international guys who we could even see go first round. I think that's that's crazy. I think that's showing how this basketball is truly an international sport. Indeed, it is. And hey, you've got Team USA losing to Nigeria and Australia in their games earlier this year. So just so much talent around the around the world, and really. To sum this all up, everything we've talked about, there's so much talent coming into the league, especially at the top of the draft with Cunningham and Suggs and Green and Mobley and all the way down to where the Bucks are picking. Like, I think Io DeSumo has a chance to be a legit starter in the NBA. So I'm just so excited for the draft. There's so many good players, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun to see what happens on Thursday night, Drew. Yep, and to wrap it all up here, we this 
this episode, yep, like I mentioned, July 28th. And then also, because now with the draft being tomorrow, the 29th, next Monday, you'll hear Clay Taylor and myself back again here for a draft review. So it'll be us two again. Jordan Lorenz is going to be out partying in Nashville. He'll be at a Nashville <laughs> Sounds game. So hopefully he'll be having fun. He'll be out on vacation. So I'll be on solo duty for the intro part, and then we'll do a little bit of a review. So that'll be great to hear. And, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's all I got, Clay. Do you have anything else you want to mention about any other prospects? I don't think I do. No, thank you so much for having me on, Drew. It's always a lot of fun to talk some hoops with you and wish Jordan could be here too. But obviously he's, he's a little busy right now. So we miss Jordan, but hey, thanks yeah. for having me on. It's been fun. Yeah, so Clay, you want to shout yourself out quickly? Uh, sure. You can find me on YouTube. I am the Bucks Believer. I would really appreciate it if you'd go subscribe and check out some of my videos. I've been working pretty hard on this draft content, so I would really appreciate it if you'd come watch. But even if you don't, hey, keep listening to Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, the perfect podcast for you. Am I right? Yeah, you, you nailed it there. And let's get Clay to four, 450 subscribers. His YouTube link will be in the description below. So please subscribe. He'd appreciate We appreciate all the help he's doing. And Clay, by the way, you're a shout out of the week on Monday. So Jordan Lorenz shouted oh. you out yet again. So wow. add, add that to the total. Congratulations. I'm honored. So I have to wrap it all up. Um, thank you all for listening to another episode of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, the perfect podcast for you.